in a similar way, we can often come to a place where we think our back is against the wall. We're hemmed in on every side. We're the world pressing in, perhaps from the rear. It looks like we're at a place of no escape. At times like this, we have to be like Israel, where Moses commanded them to not fear. That's a hard one. Stand still, even harder. I want to do something and see the salvation of the Lord. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. And welcome to the service tonight. What a blessing it is to have you with us as we're going to continue our journey through the book of Exodus tonight looking at Exodus chapters 13 and 14. So the Lord took them by the way of the wilderness. He could have quickly took them to the promised land. But God did not do that in verses 17 through 22 as we finish out this chapter. And I'm going to read the rest of the chapter. And the Word of God tells us, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, Although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night by the pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So there in verses 21 and 22, we're introduced to the Shekinah glory that led the children of Israel the whole time that they were there in the wilderness. And again, that would be for 40 years. So God didn't take them directly to the promised land because he knew that if they immediately experienced war, they might turn around and head back to Egypt. When the going gets tough, some people just run. 
I know it's supposed to be the tough gets going, but that doesn't always work out. As we will see, when the children of Israel have the opportunity to go into the promised land the first time, only Joshua and Caleb would be two that would stand up and say, let's go. But that's later. Right now, the Lord took them the long way, and it would become a much longer road for them. While the Egyptians were busy burying their dead, Israel went out in orderly ranks, taking with them the mummified bones of Joseph, who had placed Israel under this solemn oath, saying, when God visits our people, you shall surely take my bones from here. In Israel, they would actually take the bodies and mix it with lime that it would quickly eat away the flesh and then take the bones and bury the bones. We saw one of these burial caves there at the Garden of Gethsemane in Israel today where they had discovered these small burial boxes where there's bones and the boxes we were seeing were children's bones that they had unearthed there at that site. But that's what Israel did at that time. But Egypt, they mummified bodies. Joseph's body was mummified, which is quite interesting to me. So God led them out, as I said, by the Shekinah glory as well. And we'll learn more about the Shekinah glory cloud, and it will be introduced to us again in chapter 14. So I titled it The Mummies of Israel because according to the Word of God, there are at least two mummified bodies, mummified in Egypt, but ultimately taken to the promised land, and that is of Jacob and his son Joseph. So Jacob had been buried... When he first came to Egypt, he died 17 years later, and they mummified his body, and Joseph took him up into the promised land and buried them there with Abraham and Sarah and Leah and Rachel. I had that wrong. Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah. Jacob had four wives, so I'm sure he got confused sometimes too. Yeah, you, that one. They're making discoveries in Israel all the time. In 2009, on the day of Hanukkah, researchers discovered 264 golden coins that were from the 7th century. In Beth Shane, our tour guide when we were in Israel told us that somebody wanted to, it's kind of a running joke in Israel, but somebody was planning to build a pizza parlor. They started excavating for the pizza parlor. They undercovered some ruins. And they have, in the area of the, the Decapolis that we read about in the New Testament, 10 Roman areas or Gentile areas in the land of Israel, they uncovered a Roman area, a Roman city. What they didn't even know was there, they have now since unearthed a 7,000-seat amphitheater, a Roman bathhouse, and many other the areas of their homes that they lived in. This is also the area where King Saul and his son's bodies were hung on the wall by the Philistines after their death. Remember, they beheaded King Saul and his sons and took their bodies in the area of Bethshane. But today it's just mind-blowing that this was there at the time of Christ, this full 
Roman city with a 7,000 seat amphitheater, and I've sat on those stone seats. In 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. It was uh, in the area of Qumran, and a young shepherd boy, not an Israeli shepherd boy, but a Bedouin out keeping his family's sheep, doing what boys do when they're out tending sheep, I just assume, you know, you got dirt, and there's a lot of dirt out there. You got rocks, and there's a lot of rocks out there. Boys love to throw rocks, and he was throwing rocks in a cave. He heard something break. Before you know it, they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, unearthed portions of every book of the Old Testament, except for the book of Esther. And one of the greatest discoveries so far, and I've seen the copy of this in the museum in Jerusalem, and I don't know if it's the actual piece, uh, they're trying to preserve it, but a complete copy of the book of Isaiah. It was nearly 1,000 years older than any other copy that they had, and it was almost word for word from the copies that they did have. So an amazing discovery. So someday we may turn on the news one day and said, oddly enough, they just found a Egyptian mummy in Israel. And I would initially think, is it Jacob or is it Joseph? It's got to be one or two of them. But as the redeemed of the Lord, we are to teach our children. So I'm going to do a little bit more reading, maybe less commentary in chapter 14. There's a bit of reading here. But we'll find that the Lord will fight for you. Chapter 14. There's going to be one final hardening of the heart of Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. Verses 1 through 4, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hathoroth, there in Migdal at the sea opposite Baal-Zephon, and you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So God's guiding them with the Shekinah glory. God's directing them, but he takes them and hymns them in with the Red Sea. And they'll be backed up against the sea. They'll have mountains on either side. And ultimately, the Egyptian armies bearing down on them. God brought them to a place of no escape. He brought them to a place where all they could do is trust in God for their deliverance. And we would think by now, after 10 plagues, that they would trust in God. But that is not how this plays out. Romans 9, 17, speaking of Pharaoh, Paul writes, For this very purpose... Scripture says, speaking of God, Paul recounting it, Romans 9, 17, for this very purpose I've raised you up, that I may show my power in you, that my name may be declared in all the earth. Remember I'd said that Nehemiah, after the Babylonian captivity, hundreds of years later, would refer to this scene, and so they would remember this declaration of God that God's name would be declared in all the earth. Verses 5 through 9, So it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, 
Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot, took his people with him, also took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt that with captains over every one of them. Psalm 105, 25, he turned their hearts to hate his people and to deal craftily with his servants. God turning their hearts against Israel, but God wanted to teach Egypt and also to teach Israel at this time. So verses 8 and 9, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. I like that. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses of the chariots of Pharaoh. His horsemen and his army overtook them, camping by the sea of Pi-Hahithroth before Baal-Zephon. I like it. They went out with boldness, but they were soon overtaken by the Egyptians, and they lost that boldness. They went out, much like the psalmist who declared in 118.6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And suddenly 600 chariots are trampling down toward them. Some have related the warfare of a chariot and compared it to the modern-day tank. It was such advanced fighting that it can be compared to if you had 600 tanks suddenly facing you. How would you feel? Well, Jesus will talk about the last day events. And I'll talk about the many things that will come upon this world that I think we're seeing many of these things right now. Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And I think when we get backed up, they're backed up against the Red Sea, we might say backed up against the wall, hemmed in on every side. We're right where we need to be at times, looking up to Jesus as our only hope. Verses 10 through 14, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were afraid. Remember, they went out with boldness, they saw the Egyptians, now they're afraid. They cried out to the Lord, the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us? to bring us up out of Egypt. So they turned on God, and they turned on God's leaders at that time. And that scenario has often been played out in the church. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians that we, than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will not see. I'm reading that wrong. You shall see again no more forever. I wouldn't say it that way, but that's how it's written. You shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. So they're backed up. And the Egyptian army is approaching, 600 chariots, all their men of war. They were very afraid. They cried out to the Lord. They cried out, and blaming Moses. 
And yet, Moses commanded them to not be afraid to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Psalm 106.7 refers to this saying, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. How long were they gone? They had just gotten out of Egypt, just made it to the Red Sea. And already they're saying, why did we leave? It wouldn't be the last time that they would say that. But here, what Moses commanded them to do, do not be afraid, stand still, cease the salvation of the Lord. Verses 15 through 29. We'll take it through 18 right now. We find Moses doing a little crying of his own here to God. The Lord saying to him, then, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And initially they're thinking, how? The Red Sea is in front of us. We can't go forward. Verse 16 through 18. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. The children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I will indeed harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh, over his armies, his chariots, his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. God commanded Moses to do the impossible. Thankfully, with God, according to Mark 14, 23, with God, all things are possible. Once again, the rod of the Lord is used. He is to lift it up stretch it out over the sea. And God caused the east wind to blow all that night. The sea was divided. The children of Israel went forth on dry ground. While they were going over, the Shekinah glory cloud, we'll read about in a moment, that went before them, went behind them, and stood between them and the Egyptians. And we will see now verses 19 through 22, the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before them and stood behind them. So that it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And thus it was the cloud and darkness to the one. And it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters of the walls of them were on the right hand and on the left. Plain enough, there are some who try to say that it wasn't very deep, so they just waded across. Well, we'll read about in a moment that God would drown all the Egyptians in not very deep water. If the Israelis could wade across, you would think that the greatest soldiers in Egypt could also wade over shallow water. But it doesn't talk about shallow water. It talks about dry ground. That is for Israel but not for the Egyptians who would pursue them into the midst of the sea. And again, we read in verses 23 through 29, And the Egyptians pursued 
went into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen. Now it came to pass at the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and in the cloud, and he troubled the armies of the Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. Yeah, that would be hard. The Egyptians said, Let's flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea was turned to its full depth. While the Egyptians were fleeing into it, so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. That would be something to see the wall standing on either side and wondering if they're going to crash in on you and Perhaps even as they were walking across, Israel walking across, hearing the waters crashing in behind them on the Egyptians. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven twenty nine, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground, as were the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So the Lord, verses 30 and 31 so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So all the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So initially, God caused Egypt, Pharaoh, to pursue Israel that Egypt might know that he is the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. But now we learn also that Israel now understood that it was God who had done these great things. And the people feared the Lord and also believed the Lord and believed Moses. In a similar way, we can often come to a place where we think our back is against the wall. We're hemmed in on every side. With the world pressing in, perhaps from the rear, it looks like we're at a place of no escape. At times like this, we have to be like Israel, where Moses commanded them to not fear. That's a hard one. Stand still, even harder. I want to do something and see the salvation of the Lord. So first of all, do not be afraid. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do not fear. Stand still. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Stand fast, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Revelation 19.1 After these things I heard with a loud voice a great multitude in heaven, saying, Hallelujah, salvation and honor and glory and power belong to the Lord our God. And may we have 
a faith stance that will be seen by our children in the day and age that we live in, that we'd not only stand fast, but that we would teach our children in these days that they too might trust in the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this word you've given us this evening. Help us, Lord, to be those who would share these truths with our children, that they too might come to know you in life-saving faith. And be with us now, Lord, as we leave this place. Bless us. Bless our family. Lord, be with this country. Father, it seems that things are changing so quickly that your son Jesus must be coming very soon. And Lord, we ask that you would come. But until you come, Lord, help us to do business until you come. Help us to serve you until we see you face to face. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I pray that God will bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today. Let